If God is able, we are able. Welcome to the podcast from One Cause Church. We'll get right into it. Are you guys ready for the word? Well, so am I. Father, we thank you right now in the name of Jesus for this few minutes under your word, Lord. We thank you, Father, for the power and the strength of your word that is able to do in a moment, God, what a lifetime of rehab cannot accomplish, Lord. What a, what a lifetime of hospitalization cannot do, Lord, in a moment your word is able to fix, able to repair, able to restore, able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we could ask or imagine. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your bigness. I thank you for your anointing to preach the incomparable word of God. I thank you, Holy Spirit, my friend, for doing what I cannot, touching the hearts of these people tonight. Open their ears to hear the word of the living God. Thank you, Father, for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus Christ to rest upon your people now as the life-changing word goes forth in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can be seated. Acts chapter 12, very interesting chapter. I, uh, first of all, let me say that I have enjoyed uh, the book of Acts and walking through it uh, with our wonderful pastor. It's a privilege to be uh, his associate and his friend. And uh, as he mentioned yesterday, he celebrated his 19th wedding anniversary. So happy to be involved with people who not only preach well, but they live what they preach. And it is such a great example for me in my life. And uh, Sarah and I have been richly blessed by being a part of this church and being a part of their life. So Thank you, and uh, should you feel the need to be a blessing to them for their anniversary, I would not only not blame you, but I would encourage you to do so uh, tonight. Amen. Acts chapter 12 and verse 1, can we look at that, please? I've always been fascinated with the stories of the Bible. Stories get me. I, I don't know what it is. If I hear someone telling a story in the grocery store, they probably think I'm weird because I just lean over because I must hear what they have to say, whatever it is. And sometimes it's gotten me in a little bit of trouble, and sometimes I've heard some things that I probably shouldn't have heard, but my mind has an ability to retain things, so it's burned forever in my memory. So I have to be careful what I listen to, but because when it goes into my ears, it burns itself into this, uh, this system that downloads a whole bunch of stuff, and then years later, uh, I, 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 I bring it up for some reason. You ever have those deja vu moments when you, when you think, man, I've heard that before, or this is really familiar, just a strange moment. That happens to me all the time, and I don't know why. I think it's because of my brilliant mind and, the, and the, uh, my ability to retain a whole bunch of information. But I'm always fascinated with the stories. I'm fascinated with the characters of the Bible, and I love it. And Acts is just full of them, and this is one that I want to share with you tonight. Uh, my plan is, let me just share with you a quick plan. What I would like to do is take uh, the, the, the richness of the Scripture. I want to present it to you in a way that you can understand it. And then I would like to allow, if my pastor will allow me the freedom, a, a bit of ministry time at the end. Is that okay with you guys? That's the plan. Let's see if we can do it. Acts chapter, one and, uh, chapter 12 and verse 1 says, And now about that time, Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some of the church. What a jerk, right? Then he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. Now, we know James. James is one of the big three. It was Peter, James, and John. They were close to Jesus. They were his disciples. They were the ones who got... They, who were privy to the information that a lot of people, other, other people weren't. They were privy to be able to, to see things that other people didn't get to see. They were the closeness. And so James now, one of the big three, has been killed. Let's keep on reading. And because he saw, Herod that is, and because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further, further to seize Peter also. Isn't that something? Let me just say something really quickly because it strikes me funny about Herod that he acts to get a reaction. And I want to share, let me just drop a little bit of wisdom on you before we go any further tonight. This, and listen closely because this may very well be the most profound thing I'll say all night. The 
seeking the approval of men creates an inconsistent lifestyle. Okay? Because when you get the approval of someone for something that you've done, it makes you feel good. And we all been there. We like to hear, hey, you did a good job. Or, hey, I really appreciate what you did there. Or, hey, I, I see that and I admire you for what you're doing. And if we're not careful, we will start to live a lifestyle that we seek and need the approval of men in our life. It's a good thing to have because it's an encourager. It fuels the fire. It pushes us to do and go beyond what we could normally do when we have someone encouraging us. But if that is the reason why we act, if it becomes the reason why we do the things that we do, the good things, if it becomes the reason why we give because we know that person is going to thank us publicly, if it becomes the reason why we help because we want the attention from it, if we want the approval, then when the disapproval comes, it will stop you in your tracks. If approval is what fuels you, then disapproval is what will stop you. I heard a brilliant man say one time that a man that cannot take criticism will eventually be killed by compliments. This is the truth. When you seek the approval of men, it creates an inconsistent lifestyle. Rather, seek the approval of God. Seek to please him by faith because when you do that and you keep his promises in mind and when you start to live your life for him, then the Bible says, so shall you find favor with God and with man. So when the approval of God comes, the approval of man comes with it, whether they like to admit it or not. They may publicly say that they don't like what you're doing, but secretly they're admiring what you're doing. The children of Israel were being delivered out of Egypt, and, and God told them, hey, just go get the gold from Egypt too. Go ahead and go up to the house and just tell them to give you the gold. Now, this is something because the Egyptians obviously did not approve of them leaving the country. They did not approve of them escaping slavery, yet they would walk up and knock on the door, and people would just give them the necklace off their neck. I don't even know why. I want to be good to you, but I just do. Here, take my watch. Take my ring, because God's favor, the favor of God on your life will open doors for you that no man can shut. The people will be good to you, and they don't even know why. They won't even understand what it is about you, about you that makes them want to bless you. And it'll make them angry, and they'll go, I don't know why. I can't stand that guy until they see you, and then they write you a check, and they're like, man, I did it again. What is going on? Because the favor of God is on your life. Do not seek the approval of men. Seek the approval of God. Seek him first. Seek his wisdom. Seek his knowledge in your life, and the approval of men will follow. Amen. He says, because it pleased Herod. Because it, because it pleased the Jews, Herod took Peter also. He said, well, I got away with one. Let me go a step further. Let me go past James to really the disciple. Okay, I got away with one. He was kind of, he was up there in the mix. But let me see if I can get the number one guy in the church. Let me see if I can get that crazy one that just won't shut up. Let me see if I can get him. And the Bible says also, now also it was during the days of unleavened bread. Uh, next verse. So when he had arrested him, he put him in prison and delivered him four squads of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him before the people after Passover. Now, I did a little research uh, because I like to Google things. I just Google random words, and which, again, can get you in trouble. But uh, I, I, I looked up Passover, and I looked up, I, I kind of wanted to understand what it was all about. And what this was, was for those of you who don't know, and many of you probably do, but it was a celebration, and still is to this day, a celebration of the, the freedom of the Israelites from out of Egypt. And so they, the, back then they would put the blood on the doorpost, and when God saw the blood, he would pass over them. That's where they get the word Passover. And the days of unleavened bread were because, the Bible, because many of the Jews believe that the, the deliverance happened so quick that their bread didn't get to finish baking in the oven. 
And so as a result of that, they celebrate by eating unleavened bread for several days, and they have what's called the Passover. So this was like equivalent of the 4th of July to the people of, uh, of Israel, okay, without the fireworks and like the, the drunk drivers and all that. It was, it was a humongous celebration. And so his intention was not only to kill Peter, but his intention was also to make a spectacle of him. I'm going to put him in prison till Passover is finished. And then what a way to end a great celebration. The people, the Jewish people want to see this happen. So I'm going to raise their anticipation a little bit. I'm going to make this as big of a deal as I possibly can. And he puts Peter in prison with the intention of, of killing him publicly, of making a spectacle of him, of, of mocking him and his God and all that he was about. And he puts him in this prison. Did you know now listen to me carefully because I want you to understand that God has a plan for your life that goes beyond what man's plan for you is, all right? And so Jesus had already spoken to Peter about his life. He had spoken into his future and given him several promises about his life. So at this point, it doesn't really matter what Herod's intentions are. And I want you to understand that because God has spoken good things into your life and given you the Word of God, He's given you something to stand on, then you can stand on that Word no matter what the circumstance is. The enemy's plan for your life will never be equally as evil as God's plan is good. They are not on the same level. You understand? Everybody says, well, there's these two forces. I've got the devil and i got God. And, man, they're really battling it out. No, they ain't. No, they're not. The devil will never be as bad as God is good. It is not even close. The Bible says where sin abounded, grace superabounded. Grace did much more abound. It's not even close. It's not even a close race. So don't ever feel like the enemy, the, the trap that the enemy has set for you is equal to the plan that God has for your life. It's not even close. He would have you believe that. He would have you put in prison and made a spectacle of and have you believe it that he's got this big plan to embarrass you in front of all these people and you're never going to be any more than I allow you to be. And that is a lie because God, before the beginning of time, mapped out your entire life and he's given you promises to stand on, to walk it out the entire way. So where do we find Peter? Verse 5, Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. Thank God for the church. I can't say that enough. I can't stress that enough. Thank God for the house of God and praying people and people to fellowship with. The church is wonderful. And when Herod was about to bring him out, that night Peter was sleeping. Amazing. Amazing that he had been locked up, getting ready to be killed the next day. Had been in there for several days, apparently, wondering in his mind, his physical body, when will God deliver me? I thought it would happen the first day. The first day went by. It didn't happen. You ever been in that situation? Well, surely God will deliver me speedily. It will be quick. It will be, uh, God doesn't want me in here no longer. I got to be. It's about to happen. The next day goes by and still you don't feel any better. The sickness has attacked your body, whatever it is. You're struggling on the job. The boss is breathing down your neck. Your bank account's going dry. You know, when, all right, Lord, it's been two days now. I'm standing on your promises, Lord. But I'm going to give you about one more day, and then we're going to have to do something different. Been in there for several days. And now the night before he's about to be killed, he's sound asleep. How can that possibly be? How can it be? Because let me tell you something. Before that, Jesus had spoken a word to Peter. He said, Peter, when you're old, they'll take you where you don't want to go. They'll bind your hands and take you. And at this point, Peter was not old. 
So he had a promise that he was standing on. He had a promise that he was standing on no matter how many guards they put around him, no matter how many chains they put on him, no matter how many people heard about it, they made an announcement. Everybody knew he was going to die the next day, and he's in there fluffing his pillow going sound asleep because when God has breathed the promise into your life, it doesn't matter what happens in between that and the promise being fulfilled. The promise will be fulfilled. God is not mocked. He will not be laughed at or sneered at or made fun of, and he won't let you be laughed at either doesn't matter how strong the enemy's plan seems. It is nothing compared to the plan of God. Go on ahead and go to sleep. Stop worrying about your finances. Stop worrying about your bank account. Stop worrying about your kids, your loved ones. Stop worrying about your job. Go to sleep. Trust God. He's already spoken good things to you. Trust what he says above all else. This man is in prison, bound with two chains, it says, between two soldiers, and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Now listen, that's a lot of stuff to hold one man, is it not? Doesn't it seem a bit excessive that they chain the man up between two guards? So not only can he not move, but he's got two guards that are watching his every move inside of the wall. And it, it doesn't it seem sometimes like it just stuff just stacks on top of stuff, like it's just one thing after another. It's ridiculous sometimes. Not only do I have the chains, but i got the guards watching me. Not only are the guards watching me, but I'm inside these four walls made out of cinder blocks. Not only that, but there's guards outside, and there's a gate, and there's all these things, and it just stacks up on top of you. But God is faithful. God is faithful. And what does it say? Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, and a light shone in the prison. And he struck Peter on the side. Now, listen, hear this. When stuff is stacked on top of stuff, on top of stuff, and it seems insurmountable, you have not come close to the end of God's grace. There is no end of God's grace. It feels like this is the end, and I'm about to breathe my last breath. You are not at the end of what God can do for you. You are not at the end of the promise. You're not at the end of his, his grace. You're not at the end of his favor in your life. What you have come to is the end of you. You've come to the end of what you're capable of. You've come to the end of what you can do on your own. And that's a fantastic place to be because that is when God will operate. He's laying there sound asleep. If I'm going to die, I'm going to die. God's got me. I'm just going to put it in his hand. Now behold, an angel shows up out of nowhere because God's watching the whole time. There's never a point in your life when he is not watching every move. His eyes are constantly on you. His heart is with you. His mind is toward you. His thoughts toward you are always kind. And it doesn't matter how much stuff is stacked up against you. You're not at the end of God. You're at the end of you. God is getting ready to act in your situation. I don't know who came in here tonight that's been bound up with chains and people watching and getting ready to be embarrassed. Don't you worry another minute about it. You're in the perfect place. His strength is made perfect in our weakness. And when we just get out of the way and just go on to sleep, then God can do what God needs to do. Now, an angel showed up and struck Peter on the side and raised him up saying, Arise quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. Now, isn't that something? That the moment that the presence of God shows up, no matter how it's presented, it is a liberating experience. It is an immediate deliverance. The chains fell right off his hands. Did you know that the spirit of the living God dwells on the inside of you, the Bible says? 
The same Spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Therefore, wherever you are, the Spirit of the Lord is. And the Bible says wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Freedom. People get set free just because you walk in the room. It's not a big act, and we don't have to bawl and squall and fall all over people. Just get next to them. You stand close to me, I promise you, you'll start flowing in the favor of God. Because the Spirit of God flows through me. It lives in here. And if I'm next to you, there's no way you can be bound. If you're next to the person who's bound, there's no way they can stay that way. This is the way the Spirit of God works. He works through you, through his power that's at work through you. It's a liberating experience. The moment he shows up, the chains fall off. And the, and the angel says, arise quickly, Peter. Quickly arise. I find this very funny because this is God we're talking about. God who knows no time and space, and he's showing up, and now all of a sudden he's in a hurry. Lord, you had me in here for several days. Now you want me to move fast? You woke me up. Man, I was sitting there dreaming about waterfalls and coconuts and all kind of stuff, and you woke me up. But I ain't going to argue with you. So he gets on up. Listen. Verse 8, then the angel said to him, gird yourself and tie on your sandals. And so he did. And he said to him, put on your garment and follow me. Now, this is kind of funny to me. This strikes me funny. I don't know about the rest of you, but the angel wakes him up and says, arise quickly, Peter. We got to go real fast, Peter. I need you to get up. Now, take your time. Put your belt on. Put your shoes on. Put on your garment and follow me. And the angel's standing there watching him. Peter's just getting dressed. If I'm Peter, I'm like, if we got to go fast, I can do this outside. All right, let me just get this. I don't, I don't even need to get dressed. Let me just, let's just go. Come on. We don't have time for this. But listen to me. It's okay to be unclothed in the place where you are. But you're not being clothed for where you are. You're being clothed for where you're going. You're being clothed for where God is taking you. I know it doesn't make a whole lot of sense why you have to stay in that job right now, but someday it will. I can assure you of that. The experiences that you're gaining there, and you put on a little wisdom here. Let me just grab this wisdom and wrap it around me here. And you're walking out this brilliant plan, and all the time you're girding yourself. You're putting on your garment and following God. Not for where you are. It's okay to be naked in prison. It is not okay to be naked in the city. Please don't tweet that. Good night. There ain't no really coming back for that. God is not clothing you for where you are. You're being clothed for where you're going. You're being clothed for the future. You're being clothed for the plan that God has for you. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense why you keep having to mess with that same person in your life, why you keep having to go in this same circle, but there's something that you're not seeing, something that you're not picking up on, and so God is not allowing you to move forward until you get right here what he has for you. Stay where you are. Keep doing what you're doing. Gird, gird yourself with whatever you can find. You put on things that look like you. Now, if I was in prison for several days, my clothes had been in there with me, probably wadded up and thrown in the corner somewhere. I'd sweat it all over them because I didn't have no air conditioning. Lord, you could have brought me a fresh shirt. You could have brought me something. I mean, you sent an angel down here. Is anything too hard? Could I got a toothbrush or something? Couldn't I got a, a comb? A bath, anything, but a new shirt doesn't look like you. God is preparing you to be recognizable so that when people see you, they see his goodness, but they also see you, right? He's not going to give you an anointing that will change you to where people can't recognize who you are. 
Because who you are is what affects them. Put on your garment and follow God. Put on your garment, not my garment. Put on your garment. My clothes don't look like your clothes. My anointing doesn't look like your anointing. Find what is for you and put that on. It's very important to understand that there is a plan that has been put into place. And that where you are right now is because God wants you to learn something or gain something from where you are in the moment that will help you further in the future. Some of you have been working the same job. I've been working the same job for 16 years, and I've, I've wanted to quit for 15 and a half. But every day I learn something new. And every day my life is enriched in some sort of way that's going to help me in my divine purpose. I come to this understanding and the frustration leaves. Be appreciative of where you are and looking forward to where you're going. When I was young, we would always spend a lot of time at my Mimo's house, and I love my Mimo. She comes to church here on Sunday mornings, and she loves her Pastor Eric. I'm telling you what, she's about four foot, 11 and a half worth of the sweetest lady you've ever seen in your life. Make the best biscuits and gravy you ever had. 70-something years old, she plays hide-and-seek with the kids in the front yard, just spry and full of life, my Mimo. Y'all seen that Geico commercial, the hump day commercial with the camel? She walks around the house doing stuff like that all the time. She's a funny lady, sweetheart. We spent a lot of time uh, at her house growing up with my cousins uh, who were all girls. Me and my brother were the only uh, boys in the family, and we would spend So we did a lot of things that boys shouldn't have been doing in those days, like coloring and coloring books and things. Instead of shooting slingshots and, and, and playing basketball, we was coloring and color books and letting people put stuff in our hair. It was weird. <laughs> Me and my always kept a bunch of coloring books there, and there was always these cool pictures, and we would sit there and color, and everything was a competition. And we would let my Mima be the judge, but Mima was so sweet that nobody ever won. We all did a great job, although clearly I was the best. And one time we were sitting there, and I had, she had brought some brand-new coloring books from the dollar store because, you know, Mima loves the dollar store. And so she had these, these coloring books there that I opened up, and there were no pictures. There was only these numbers and little dots by the numbers. It's, Mima, what is this? Are you, are you want me to make up my own picture? I don't understand. It just did, didn't dawn on me. Used to, I, usually I color horses and things that are brilliant, but I don't like numbers. And there's a whole book full of numbers and blanks. And she said, count the numbers. This is going to teach you how to count. And I want you to draw a line from the one to the two, and from the two to the three, from the three to the four. And so I did. So this is silly. I don't like counting, don't like numbers, just drawing these different lines. And at the end of it, I said, oh, it's a rabbit. It was a rabbit the whole time. I didn't even realize it. Frustrating myself, just drawing these lines, and I step back and say, oh, it's a rabbit. How you like that? So I color the rabbit, and I go on to the next one. Brilliant little connecting of the dots. There's a frustration that comes sometimes when we can't see the whole picture. But God says, you just go from the one to the two, all right, and from the two to the three, and from the three to the four, because at the end of the day, we're going somewhere with this. And I know it's frustrating because sometimes it's a short walk from the one to the two, and then sometimes it's a weird angle from the three to the four. And then it's a long jog from the four to the five down here, and we just have to keep going until one day we look back. We say, I don't understand why I had to go through all this. I don't understand why all this had to happen in my life, and, and I had to be where I was at this particular time. I don't get it. And one day we'll step back and go, oh, 
It's a rabbit. I see it. You understand? There's a reason for the journey. Because there's a picture being painted that someday God will reveal this ultimate plan, and it'll all make sense to us. All the frustration will leave, and all the enjoy going from two to three. Make it fun from one dot to the next. Trust God that he has a plan because you're not being clothed for where you are right now. You're being clothed for where you're going. He said, Peter, put on your garment. Follow me. Verse 9. So he went out and followed him and did not know what was going on. He did not know what was done by the angel was real. But he thought he was seeing a vision. Now, Peter, at this point, I've been there before, been so sound asleep that the doorbell will ring and you're answering the door and you ain't sure if you're still asleep or if somebody's really at the door. You've been there? Just freak you right out of bed, just fall out of bed like it's 10 o'clock. Who's at the door? Walk to the door and somebody's standing there and you ain't real sure if you're carrying on a conversation or what because you got sleep in your eyes. You ain't had no coffee. You had nothing. Peter's wondering, can this be real? Now, this is Peter. This is walk on water, Peter, all right? This is see Jesus on the mountain, Peter. This is, this is the disciple who's seen everything. And yet when the answer shows up, can this be real? Is this really happening? Let me, let me, let me, let me help you with something. God is so good that he will provide for you a life that you had only dreamed of. What he has for you is so real and so, so incredible that there will be moments where you find yourself driving down the road going, I cannot believe this is really me. I cannot believe that this is my life. That's how big he is. Did it blow your mind? He's far beyond what you can imagine. The plan for your life is far beyond what you see now. Learn to recognize it early on. Peter thought this was a vision. Verse 10. So when they were past the first and the second guard post, now listen, not only did he have the chains, he had the guards watching him, he had the building, first and second guard post, and now they come to what? They came to the iron gate that leads to the city. Okay, now I understand why I had to put my clothes on, okay? because I ain't staying in here. I'm going somewhere. They come to the gate that leads to the city, which opened to them of its own accord. Now, I find it interesting that the Bible could have worded this any way they wanted to. They could have said, and, and the Lord opened the gate. They could have said that, that the angel walked in front of Peter, opened the gate, and let him out. But this says that the gate opened on its own accord. Because even the doors that holds you back, are subject to the plan of God. They just can't help themselves. This gate that was designed by its creator and welded together and nailed up and posted in the ground to not be able to move, its entire purpose for being was changed in a moment to allow the plan of God to go forth. There is no door that can hold you. No matter how well-crafted the enemy made it, no matter how tough it seems, it cannot help itself. It must give way to you. This gate that opened of its own accord. And they went out and went down one street, and immediately the angel departed from him. 
And when Peter had come to himself, he said, Now I know for sure, for certain, that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the Jewish people. Now I know. I'm wide awake. The angel is gone. I'm out here. I'm in a place where I wasn't five minutes ago. There's dirt on my feet. This is real air that I'm breathing. Suddenly you wake up to what God has done in your life. There are times when you're going through things that are a little bit sketchy, okay? Because leaving a prison with people who want to kill you is a little bit weird situation. Walking through the guards like that is a little bit odd. And so God will just make it seem so pleasurable that you really just think it's a dream. Until one, one moment happens when you wake up and go, wow, I cannot believe what I just came through. I cannot believe this is really real. Now I know for sure that God has done this. Because there's no way. I'm not an army commando. I don't wear camouflage. I could not have gotten out of there by myself. I make a lot of noise. I'm a little bit clumsy. I'm loud. People are going to recognize, I could not have done this by myself. You ever been in a place that you wake up and you just realize, I could not have got here by myself? Thank God for those moments. Thank God for those moments when he's so good to us that we just end up being somewhere that we don't even recognize. We're like, man, I was not here. Lord, you're good. That's really all you can say. God, you're good. You really are good. He said, I realize that God has done this now. And he's delivered me from Herod and from the expectation of the Jewish people. What a, what a burden this must be for Peter. To have sacrificed everything to bring the gospel to these people. To be the one that they look for when their babies are sick. Go get Peter. Tell Peter to come to the house. To be the one that God sends over to the centurion's house so go call for a man named Peter. He'll take care of you. He'll tell you words that'll change your life. He'll tell you words that'll, that'll change your entire situation. Go get Peter. And he carries the burden all the time of being God's man. It's always a heavy thing when people depend on you to be who you are all the time. And these people depend on Peter. They want him to be at the hospital when their kids are sick. They expect him to be the one who performs their marriage ceremony. They expect him to be there for them all the time, and yet they are the same people who were expecting him to die, and they were going to take pleasure in it, and he knows this. God delivered me from the expectation of the very people that I live my life for. What a sad moment. But what are you going to do? What are you going to do when the people you've always been there for are not there for you? Not only not there for you, but keep rooting against you. What are you going to do? It says that he went on. Let's read verse 12. So when he had considered this, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. What do you do when everything that you live for is suddenly in question? You get to the house. You come to the house. You come to where the believers are gathered and they're praying together and where things can be changed. You surround yourself with other believers. You see, the enemy would have you just go off by yourself and pout and just be in this corner and go, well, they don't love me anymore. Lord, you might as well go and take me to heaven because they used to appreciate uh, what I did and now they want to kill me. He would isolate you. 
and have you believe that you're all by yourself. But Peter does the very thing that the believer should do and goes straight to the house where the people are gathered. Because the blood flows in the body. Did you know that we're assembled here together as the body of Jesus Christ? And the blood flows where the body is assembled. Sometimes I fall asleep. I take naps in the afternoon because I'm a nap taker. It's what I do. You can judge me if you want to. I don't care. I eat a lot of meat and I take naps. It's what I do. And sometimes I'll lay there and I go to sleep and I'll fall asleep like this. You ever fall asleep like this at nighttime? And then the alarm clock goes off the next day and you got to fling your arm over because that sucker is sound asleep. Because whatever pressure you put on that, eventually it's going to cut the blood off, right? Eventually your hand's going to go numb till you can't feel anything anymore. And then you get that weird feeling with all the needles when it starts coming back to life. It's weird when you leave the house of God and then you come back, you get this uncomfortable feeling. Because it's you who cut the blood off by leaving. It's you who got away from the body and allowed the blood to stop flowing in you. Get to the house. I'm preaching this to a Wednesday night crowd, but I hope somebody who needs to hear it hears it. Always come back to the house. God can do amazing things just by you showing up, just by you being who you are in a room full of people who are being who they are. And God can allow that blood to flow in you, and it will mend all the hurt. It says he shows up at the door where many are gathered together praying. Verse 13 And Peter knocked at the door of the gate, and a girl named Rhoda, which means Rose, I looked it up, what a beautiful name, right, Rhoda, came to answer the gate. When she recognized Peter's voice, because of her gladness, she did not open the gate, but she ran in and announced that Peter stood before the gate. Now, can you imagine this? Peter is out there by himself. He showed up to where the people are. This is going to do my life good. Knock on the door. The girl goes, oh, my gosh, it's Peter, and runs away. I'm still out here. Hey. I got folks looking for me, all right? I just got out of jail. I need, like, some soup and something to drink. Can you, Rhoda? This little girl got so excited when she heard Peter's voice. It didn't say that she saw Peter because people recognize what you say, whether you know it or not. And your voice is recognizable to people. She saw him. She got so excited that she ran off and she went in the house. And let's read it. But they said to her, she went and told the people, she went and told everybody in the house, which, by the way, Paul the Apostle was in this house. I don't know if y'all knew this. We find out later that Paul and Barnabas were both in the house, in this house praying, probably because of the first verse that says that prayers were being offered up by, uh, by the church to God. They're probably in the house praying for Peter. Now, this is just an assumption, but it's a pretty safe assumption. They're in there praying for Peter, and they say to her, you are beside yourself. You get so busy sometimes doing the work of the Lord and praying for things that when the answer shows up, you're just like, well, I, I, you, 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 you're beside yourself. Please, uh, little servant girl, go leave us alone because can't you see we're here praying for Peter? But she kept insisting to them. And they said to her, it must be his angel. The very thing that they're praying for shows up at the door, and it must be his angel. The problem is not that they don't believe God. The problem is that they don't believe Rhoda. Now listen to me. Just because the truth comes from an area that you don't recognize as substantial 
or that you don't recognize as an authority in your life doesn't change the fact that it's still the truth. Don't you ever discount the Word of God that comes to you, no matter who it comes through. You understand? If we know anything about the history of God, we know that he uses people that other people overlook. So just because that person makes funny noises during church and sometimes fall asleep, if they come up to you and says, you know what, I was praying for you and the Lord told me this. If it lines up with the word and it manifests something in you and it agrees with what you're feeling in, on, in your spirit, then you take it as the truth. I don't care if their hair is parted funny, if they wear the wrong kind of tennis shoes, what it is, the truth is going to be the truth no matter who delivers it. It is still the truth. Had this been Paul Apostle that went to the door first and came back in and said, hey, y'all, Peter's at the door. God is good. They would have shouted the house down and ran around in a Jericho march and all those things I used to do when I was a kid. But because it was a little servant girl that just got everybody tea, just made everybody bread, they overlooked the truth. God can bring the truth to you from any angle of life. Recognize the truth of God. Recognize his voice no matter who it comes through. There was not too long ago, y'all know my buddy Derek Miller goes here, and he, he wonderful. He not only goes here, but he serves here faithfully, uh, is fixing to be the pastor of our Dallas location. God has done incredible things in that man's life since I have met him. All right? When I first met Derek Miller, he was a little skinny dude, and he was real nice. And I wasn't used to nice people at that time, and I thought, something's wrong with this guy. Nobody's that nice. I thought, they're setting me up, man. Let him tap my phone. Something's going on with this cat. But I gave him a chance, and he grew on me. I love Derek Miller. But God has been working in his life very recently even. He discovered this prophetic gift in his life, and he started to tap into it. And then suddenly he started to flow in it. And the more you flow in it, the more people recognize it, and then the more the gift grows. You understand? That when people start to encourage you in your gift, the gift will grow because they pull on that thing. They pull on it. I have to have what you have. And not too long ago, I got, well, I guess it has been about a year ago, we were standing outside, and we were just laughing and cutting up after staff meeting. We were getting ready to go get something to eat, and he walks past me and goes, there's change coming to your life, Brandon. And immediately I went, this is not Derek. This is God saying something to me. And I listened to what he was telling me. And it made perfect sense in an environment where we were just having fun. Nothing spiritual was really even happening. And yet the truth came immediately from a source that I'm not used to hearing it from. The truth could come at any time. They said, it's his angel. You're beside yourself, little servant girl. Now Peter continued knocking. And when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. I cannot believe that little girl was telling the truth. I cannot believe it's actually him standing here. But he motioned to them, verse 17, but motioning to them with his hand to keep silent, he declared to them how the Lord had brought him out of prison. And he said, go and tell these things to James and the brethren. And he departed and went to another place. So he went there for the specific reason of being around the believers and sharing his story. I have found in my experience that sometimes believers are the hardest ones to persuade. Do you know that? They're the hardest people to convince that God is really good. I don't know why. It's such a shame that we should hear it all the time and not really grasp it. 
Such a shame that people who have been in church their whole life are so hardened and dull and, 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 and desensitized that they often can't recognize when the answer is at the door. I take an unbeliever going straight to hell over a person been riding a pew for 50 years any day of the week, any day. You're going to heaven. Why don't you just go on to heaven? Here, look, come Let me get this one that's over here with a needle in his arm. He'll listen to what I got to say. When I tell him God is good, it's going to make a difference in his life. They were astonished. But he told his story anyway. Now, I came here to say a lot of things tonight. But I want you to understand this. That your story is so important. So important part of who, who you are. And that there are other people who are where you were. There are other people who are struggling with the same things. Other th- people who are, who are facing the same problems. And right now, they're feeling like they're the only one on the planet. And whether you're comfortable telling them or not, whether they're listening all the way or not, tell it anyway. It's worth saying. It's worth telling because the one who does hear it, the one who does receive it, their life will be changed. I tell my story as often as I get the chance because I want people to know that God never gives up. I want people to know that God has a plan for their life. I want you to know that there is hope right where you are. No matter how many walls are around you, no matter how chained up you are or how many people are ready to embarrass you, there is hope for you where you are. You have not come to the end of what God is able to do. You are only at the end of yourself. Move out of the way and trust in God. Tell your story. Your story is brilliant. It's a part of who you are. It's a very important part. Tell it with boldness. Tell it with all truth. Tell it with all excellence and take the opportunity to change somebody's life. Now, this chapter continues, and I'll briefly paraphrase the rest of it. Peter goes on to another place. And then the Bible says that the next morning there was no small stir among the soldiers and among the people of what had happened to Peter. In other words, there was a big to-do about this guy disappearing. So what does Herod do? Because he refuses to take blame on himself. Because he refuses to believe that God is good, he blames the soldiers and he kills all of them. He has them all killed. And then the Bible says that all the people gathered together underneath Herod, this moment that he's been waiting for when he should have presented Peter, this moment that he was going to use as a spectacle to make fun of God. He sits there arrayed in royal clothes, the Bible describes him, brilliantly dressed Very pious man, very uh, self-conscious and always seeking approval, but at the very same time, egotistical and outlandish in his actions, Herod was. And he sat there on his throne and the people started shouting out the words of man and not the words of God, the words of the king and not of God. They were saying he was the God. And the Bible says that immediately the Lord struck him, and he was eaten with worms, and he died. This is the death of this man, because he refused to give glory to God for anything. 
Now you understand that no matter what comes against you, God will not only destroy the thing that was holding you, but he will go straight to the source of what caused it and destroy that too. Because God is a God of completion. He doesn't halfway do anything. You are not halfway delivered. You are all the way delivered. Not only are you all the way chains broken and loosed, but the thing that held you down your whole life, the very source of it has been destroyed. Don't you give any credit to that addiction. You don't give any credit to that depression because God not only destroyed it, but he destroyed the source of it. He destroyed the enemy. He destroyed the works. The Bible says for this reason the Son of God was manifest to destroy the works of the devil. Every little thing that had you bound has been destroyed and the devil has been defeated. Live your life victoriously. Walk out of here tonight with hope. Walk out of here tonight with love in your heart and abundance in everything that you do. You can win every time. The favor of God is on your life and there are all green lights for you. You don't ever have to lose another day in your life. Is it possible? It's absolutely possible. God is that good and that complete and that big. Amazing. I don't know where you are in your life right now. I don't know what you came in here with, but you certainly don't have to leave with it because God has taken great measures and paid a very dear price to ensure that you can be free the moment you make up your mind to be free. You understand that? God has been good to me. God continues to be good to me. I live my life every day without limits. There are physical things that try to attack my body. There are attacks that try to come against my finances and against my family, but I live without limits. I refuse to believe or give any credit to what the enemy is doing in my life because I have promises. Now, I don't know how many of you guys were here for the prophetic conference. If you were here, raise your hand. I want to see what kind of crowd. You guys were here. You All right, good. Now, it's important to understand that the prophetic word of God is not just some person speaking to you what they think. It is the Holy Spirit of God, God himself, speaking through that person thanks to you. An eternal word, a word that has always been, is, and will always be, is in that moment coming to you through a person. Pastor Roxanne Alexander was here uh, the first night, was it? She called me right. I was sitting right there where my sister-in-law was sitting. I was sitting right there, and she walked over to me. She said, come here. Such a sweet lady. I love that lady. She brought me up to the front. And she spoke things to me that were so powerful and so strong and things that I already knew, but it's amazing to hear God say them. She said to me, you are the favor gun. That's what she said. In other words, God recognizes that you recognize the favor of God on your life. And now he's given you an ability to give it to other people. She said, you're the favor gun, Brandon. And wherever you point it, favor shall come to you. Isn't that brilliant? And then she said this, and whosoever you lay your hands on, they will begin to flow in the favor of God like it flows on you. And I have to laugh. I have to smile because my God knows me so well that he knows that if I can't give it away, I'd rather not have it. And he gave me, she said, this it's God's gift to you. God's gift to me is the ability to lay my hands on you and for your life to flow in the favor of God. Incredible. So this is what we're going to do tonight. I want you to stand up on your feet right where you are, everybody in the house.
I want you to lift both hands right where you are, and I want you to just, just speak to the Lord. If you pray in the Holy Spirit, pray in the Holy Spirit. This is a tongue-talking church. God is able to do in a moment. God is able to do not only in a moment, but God is able to do in this moment. What you have hoped for your whole life. Everything that you've ever believed for, God is able to provide. He is able to speak the words of life to you. He's able to provide for you a lifestyle of all green lights, of no hindrances. He's able to provide for you debt-free. He's able to give you addiction-free, peaceful life. Now, you heard the words that were spoken to me. And over the next several years, I will travel wherever I go, and I will lay my hands on people, and they will flow in the favor of God like it flows on me. This was God's gift to me. And how can I not start with the people that I love so much? How can I not start with my own house? So if you're here tonight and you say, Pastor Brandon, that's what I'm looking for. I want that favor to flow on me. I'm ready to start living victorious no matter where I go. I don't ever want to lose another day of my life. And I want you to come right down here in the front because that's what's about to happen. I'm going to lay my hands on you and a release of the favor of God is going to come on your life starting now, starting this moment. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Go to onecausechurch.com for location and events. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at One Cause Church. If you would like to partner with our ministry, you can now donate securely online. Just click on the link located on the front page of our website at onecausechurch.com.